Next Chapter Podcasts. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The 500 The 500 J.A.M. been walking us down through that 2012 edition So it ain't nothing to new Hundreds more to go And in need of a friend The king of peace for Angelo Talking the 500 until the end Talking the 500 until the end with my man J.M. On the 500, talking the 500 until the these intros everybody <laughs> i get indigestion uh but not from this song still i'm sad monks not the tv show by the yardbirds from the 1965 record having a rave up it's also number 355 out of 500 on the 500 with me josh adam myers what's up police army how y'all living uh i'm in new york city and uh yeah man let me tell you what's going on. I'll be in Los Angeles, August 23rd. I'll be there the 20th through the 23rd uh, doing shows, but I'm doing the goddamn Comedy Jam at the Comedy Store with Bill Burr, Tiffany Haddish, Melissa Villasenor, and Jay Farrow. Main room of the Comedy Store. I couldn't be more excited to come back to LA uh, to do it at my home club. I love it. Uh, tickets are at joshadammyers.com, so make sure you get them. It's probably sold out. Uh, because it's a dope lineup. But if you are in New York, uh, you can see me every night of the week at the Comedy Cellar in the stand. Check at Josh Adam Myers for all my shows and everything. And follow me because I'm so close to 20,000 and I want to break that. Um, have you joined the Patreon? I, I plead to you guys every week. Um, join the Patreon, please. Please. If you listen to this show, if you fuck with this show uh, and you're following along, uh, we don't charge you anything. 
but we ask if you can contribute, please throw the $5 a month in uh, to help support me, Adam, Emily, Melissa, Jeremiah, um, the whole family, the whole family. We are a tight family and we're only eating one bean a night. We are so hungry, so, so hungry. I think Lecky eats better than I do. Uh, we appreciate it. So join it. Go to patreon.com backslash the 500 and completely annihilate that YouTube button. Subscribe. Completely obliterate it. Just smash the shit out of it. Subscribe. It helps. And we love you for it. Let's get to this week's album, The Yardbirds. I feel like I'm from Boston anytime I say it. Uh, the Yardbirds are one of those bands that just never made their way into my music circle, but their name kept popping up throughout the history of Jeff Beck, Eric Clapton, uh, Jimmy Page. And so I got really excited to dig into this one because, you know, it's like you, you like I said, it's 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 something that you, you, you hear about, you see, and then finally here it is, it's on the list, and, uh, and we're eating. It's a big meal. Uh, and my guest today, ooh, it's a returner, the one and only Wayne Fetterman. Uh, Wayne is one of the funniest people that I've ever met in my life. Uh, he's got a brand new book out called The History of Stand-Up from Mark Twain to Dave Chappelle. It's incredible. Uh, you've seen him in Curb Your Enthusiasm. Um, he's so funny and such a vast information center that this episode was extremely easy for me because he knew everything about the record um and now that i don't have morty you know it's like it's me and adam it's me and adam and we are uh we're trying our best so hopefully you guys uh, are listening and hopefully you guys are appreciating what we're doing still i'm having a blast right now man i'm really having a good time making these episodes and doing this one with wayne hammers it in Rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to The 500 and listen free on all platforms. And if you're listening on Apple, leave us a five-star rating and leave a review. Tell us uh, how great the show is. Uh, Please don't shit on me because I can't take it anymore. But you can. Just give us five stars if you're going to shit on me. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. Email the podcast at 500podcasts at gmail.com. Follow the Facebook group run by Crazy Evan. And for all things 500, go to our website, the500podcast.com. Well, nothing left to say, but here we go with 355 out of 500. Having a rave up by the yard birds. Enjoy the episode. Adam, if you're not recording, you're in big. I don't care what Metallica shirt you're wearing. That doesn't matter to me. <laughs> Which one is Metallica Slayer Anthrax? Oh, and- by the way, you know I saw Slayer's last show. Which one? I saw the one right before the last one at the forum. Yeah, yeah. I was at the last one at the forum. Are you a Slayer fan? Um, I'm a music fan. Okay. But and I, I thought it would be a fun thing to I just thought it would be a fun thing to go to. I have some great video from inside it. 
but that's a side that's a side thing we can talk you know about. what was great about that show is that like i know like three songs by slayer but much like you i woke up that morning and and for completely forgot that they were on their final tour and they were playing their final shows in los angeles and i remember I was, I'm a big bath guy and I was getting ready to jump in the bath. And as I like opened up my phone, I go, holy shit. I was like, Slayer's playing at the forum tonight and tickets are super cheap on StubHub. And then what I did was uh, I I got into the bathtub and I slipped and I nailed my head on that, on that cement, like uh, ceramic thing that sticks out for the soap. Of course. And I was concussed. And so I couldn't go that night, but then I went to the next night. You know that the bathroom is the most dangerous room in the house. You know that, right? I know that. I you mean, remember it, that, right? Yeah, it's like my mom teaches me that. My dad on his face. <laughs> my dad's Fetterman revised. The, the my dad's final words were, <laughs> "Always take your time getting into a tub," and then he passed. <laughs> is that true? That can't be true. Yeah, it's the last thing he said. Oh my God. <laughs> he never said, I love you, but he, he said, make right, sure. Right. The, what, the, make sure words, you, the three words I needed to hear. <laughs> make sure you put down a plastic thing in the tub. <laughs> exactly. So, so you, you have some grip because oh, you're going so, to slip one day. Oh, wet. Because that was my dad's whole saying throughout life. Make sure in the tub there's grip because right. you're going to slip. Oh, he was. A, okay. So he was uh, doing, what do they call, what do they call it um, for the rap community when you, is it it's not um bars bars my dad's right? bit bars my dad actually was in an all jewish hip-hop group uh that that, that was uh that was before the one that i was in because everybody all my fleece army listeners know that i speak about it all the time i was in an all jewish hip-hop group called the shekels um oh which i actually have every album in the move from los angeles to new york i mean i didn't bring a lot of stuff but i brought every de shekels record we're going to we're going to put it online we're going to give it to the patreon people and uh, and then we're going to sell it as an nft because i heard the kids are doing that it's pretty popular <laughs> okay, that was that's over it's over uh, by early. the way I, I used to do a joke that i was in a uh, jewish heavy metal group called black shabbos but then apparently Somebody made that a legitimate band. Black Shabbos? Yeah, I think that's like a legitimate band. There's a there's a Passover group. Oh, man. I, I need you to look it up for me, Adam, because they do uh, Uptown Pesach, which oh, is like a parody good. of Uptown uh, Funk. Yeah. And it's it's like, off the coming on Friday night. Come on, everybody. <laughs> Hide the matzah. I know you're enjoying it. I get a little embarrassed by that stuff. So do I. I send it to like I send it to like three people every year. I get a little embarrassed like a by it. It's just like, can we do better as Jews than just this? No. Like we can't, <laughs> we can't Wayne. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know I should have pride <laughs> in that kind of stuff, but I'm just like, ugh. Wayne, do you, I don't wait. No uh, basic. It's it's so basic. Adam, do you have do you have Uptown Pesach? I have Uptown Funk Passover Funk Parody. That's the first thing. Uh, I think that's it. Put just give me like a taste of it and uh, just get to the chorus if you can. Eating it up at the center. Got kid along with Saint Laurent. Said I'll be coming out for later. Oh, Rick. I kill this because this isn't the one. There's like nine versions of this. That's how bad. That's how basic it is. That's how basic this is. Basically, do that thing. All right. Well, let's talk about non-basic shit. 
Yes. Um, let's talk about the, well, first of all, you, this is your second time coming back to the I podcast. I can't believe I, I can't believe I got asked back after what happened. Well, we, the Steve Miller fly like an eagle debacle. What was the debacle? Again? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> There's, like I went off the rails or something. Reddit blew up and, and you, <laughs> you, we were trashed on, on the subreddits. Um, no, I, you know, you're, you're one of, you're Fetty Wap. You're one of my favorite people. I love riffing with you. I love hanging with you. And, and we had so much fun on Steve Miller band. And, and this oh, just yeah. made, we were throwing out like hail Mary's cause we went to like Jeff Beck and like, he's not doing anything. And then right. he got kicked out of the band, by the way. I, oh, I know, dude, we're going to talk all about this. Oh, okay. Okay. Sorry. Um, sorry. No, you can bring it up, but you know, there's no, no harm, no foul where there's no order anymore. It just, we go. There we isn't. Go it. Oh, I love it. Free form. So we bringing you back for the Yardbirds yes. having a rave up. Yeah. So why don't you tell me uh, why you're on the podcast? Why, why is this record? What does it mean to you? And like, tell me about like how you first got into them. Well, uh, I, the Yardbirds are unlike Steve Miller band, which were when I was growing up, those songs were coming out on the radio and we listened to them. The Yardbirds, I got to retroactively through, of course, Led Zeppelin, which I got when I found out about Led Zeppelin and Cream. And then a little later, the Jeff Beck group, which I I was more into Cream and Led Zeppelin. And then I found out, oh, all of these guys, Clapton, Beck, and Jimmy Page play guitar for the Yardbirds. Like, who is this band? And so that's when I kind of deep dived into them a little bit. So it was a kind of a retro thing. It was, I didn't know their song. I was more into at this point in the mid sixties, much more into Beatles and even the monkeys a little bit, you know, just like very pop, pop chart stuff. And so that's how I got into them. How about you? <laughs> I started doing this podcast and it came <laughs> in at number, what number is this? What number is this, Adam? 355. It came in yes. at number 355. Had you and heard so, of them before? Had you ever heard yeah, of them? Yeah, of course. I mean, I don't know you're not. I don't know everything you know. Dude, everybody knows the Yardbirds. I know I know that one song that's uh that's really popular that anytime I tell Alexa to play uh Yardbirds, which she's about to do now because I just said that probably. Um but for your love? They, they they always play for your love. I mm -hmm. know that from like uh Guy Ritchie movies, but I had no idea that was the Yardbirds. Um I've it's much like you. Um Led Zeppelin. Always Led Zeppelin. <laughs> I, I've never it's always Led Zeppelin. I I cream so sad. I still have yet to dig into cream, but I oh, have wow. done I have done a, a nice light listen of cream. Mm -hmm. Like I know the hits, I know stuff like that. Yardbirds I knew nothing about. Um, but I did know, like you said, that Jeff Beck, uh Eric Clapton, and Jimmy Page have all played for this group. So obviously, you know, that if these guys are playing with this <laughs> band, this band is something. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. There are really, I call them maybe the ultimate bridge and influential band because they, I don't know, for some reason, maybe you can speak to this, please. In the early sixties, England went nuts for American R&B and particularly those Chicago blues singers. Like they oh, yeah. just, all of them are collecting those albums or copying those riffs. Eric Clapton is a perfect example of that. And I always wondered, I was just like, is there anybody more white 
than English people. Like they, <laughs> they define it. They are the thing. And like that they were so into the blues still to me blows my mind. Any idea on why that was maybe because it was so opposite their culture or what do you think? Um, they are the whitest. <laughs> people in the world and not even just like in there like oh hello would you like some plum pudding with a nice yorkshire um they also because of the clouds they are actually pigmently oh i see i see extremely yeah. white people mm-hmm. but because of that and I've said this a million times on the podcast, that's where you get the best music in the world because they are, they come from these families of being restricted and, you know, oh, okay. uh, you know, my yeah. left foot and, and, you know, uh, Bridgerton and any of the, oh, what is it? Downton Abbey, all that, like that's everybody in England. So, uh, or at least my perception, which now we just lost all the right. English listeners right, that are right. like, Oh, I'm turning this off now and <laughs> putting on a Malcolm Gladwell. Um, but because of the clouds and because of the darkness there, you get this very emotional music. And so in my opinion, going off of what you said, I think you're getting uh, this love for the blues because it's the exact opposite Same, of yeah. every single thing that they were brought up enjoying, listening to. Like, I mean, would Adam, you say me- it's, it's uh, comparable, sorry to interrupt, to like, white suburban kids uh, embracing hip hop? I would say it's even more, it's even like, yes, it's it's 100% that. I was gonna say okay. it was like, it was like Southern California kids embracing uh, their love for reggae music. Um, oh. But then that didn't make sense. It's, I have a new joke about that, about why white people shouldn't do reggae. <laughs> oh, really? You can you can uh, shoehorn it in if you want to. I don't no, care. no, no. You can do no, a bit in the middle of this. No bits. No bits. You know, my dad said, no bits. Wait a minute. Straight the, tits. That's thing. what my dad said. My dad said, no bits, only tits. Um, my dad was a sexual uh, deviant. Yeah. God rest his soul. Miss you. Miss you, Big Al. Hey, everyone. This is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like. Um, no, so, so yeah, I think there definitely has something to do with it, but also it's just, that's the exact opposite of their culture. And I mean, kids are always influenced by stuff that is, you know, I mean, like you said, white suburban, yeah, yeah, white, white suburban kids, uh, you know, they grow up in these, these cul-de-sacs and they grow up in the middle of, of nowhere outside of cities. And then they hear, I mean, look at me. I remember hearing public enemy for the first time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is the coolest music I've ever heard in my life. And I was obsessed 
with like Dean Nice and Public Enemy and Kid in Play. Right. And, and it's just, it's a culture thing. And I, and I think when you restrict a culture, there's going to be uh, an opposite reaction. It's energies, man. You put out good, bad's always going to come back. If you, you know, it's, it's just an equal and opposite reaction. So if you're, if you're holding somebody back, they're going to fight through that. And then, and then basically just do the exact opposite. Uh, I don't know how they were getting the music. Adam, do you have a, uh, an idea of how these kids were getting the music? I'm assuming on like ham radio stations. Well, I think they, if I'm not mistaken, those guys from chess records and, you know, all of the, would tour England because they were getting crowds over there. So yeah. I think that was part of it. And then they'd have these albums. And I remember like the stories of Keith Richards sharing his records with, uh, you know, with Mick Jagger and like, they were like sort of, I guess, little diamonds in the rough. I don't know. Cause they weren't charting there. There was no way Howlin' maybe or maybe Howlin' Wolf was charting. I'm not sure. Yeah. So anyway, I just, so anyway, they, the Yardbirds are a link to that. Cause they were into, obviously they were the band, as you know, that took over Crawdaddy once the Rolling Stones hit and then left. Like that was their big that was that little club in, I think it was called Richmond is the place in, in England, suburb of London. And so they were the band that took over the house band at Crawdaddy, which did you ever read Crawdaddy as like literature? Do you know what I'm talking about at all? No, I don't know anything about it. I actually do have that fact uh, listed, but you know, yeah. tell me more. Tell me what you know about it. Well, I, don't, I mean, again, it was just, I just, I'm sure I don't have the whole story, but there was uh yeah, there was a, a scene where the Rolling Stones, uh, you know, got very popular in this little uh, room called Crawdaddy. And then Yardbirds took over, but Crawdaddy also became the name of this rock zine, is the way I would call it. Like, that started with Rolling Stone and Cream and, uh, you know, all of these, like, literature talking about rock music because rock music was so dismissed at that time. You know, even with the, even with the Beatles, and stuff, it was just completely dismissed as uh, like not you couldn't even get a lot of the rock musicians couldn't even get in the union because yeah. they couldn't play, couldn't read music. They're like, oh, well, I'm sorry. Anyway, so uh, so that's it. So they they became they started their band there and then they luckily like one in a million shot. Who's their lead guitarist or their second lead guitarist is. This teenager, Eric Clapton, who, you know, was this dev, he had, he not only had talent, but he had a talent for practice. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if that's obsessive compulsiveness. What would you call that? Like he would like work on BB King and Freddie King licks like hours, 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 days and days. Obsession. Just to, uh, you, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. We, that's, that's, the, that's always some of the, the best people when like, when we become, you know, you know, comics that are like that, that are just obsessed with the, right. my friend Angelo, the reason we're doing the podcast, he wow. would go every day to uh, the borders on the corner of Vine and Sunset. And he would yeah. just look at through magazines and look and look through the sections for books and pull out, open up a book, find something that he was interested in and then write down a little mm -hmm. nugget that he thought was funny. And he would just work for six, seven hours a day writing jokes and then do it every night. And it was just, you know, rinse, repeat. It's the same thing every day. Yeah. So that was that band. So they were a blues band because Clapton was a blues purist at the time. And it's so interesting. You should bring up uh, for your love that what is it? Siri? No. What is who's who plays the records in your apartment? I can't say it. So go on. Okay. It's, okay. Alexa. Say, is it Alexa? A, yeah. 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 yeah she okay. didn't hear that. 
She can. Will she hear that through the? No, because you're wearing headphones. I'm wearing uh, headphones. Thank God. So it's interesting that you know that's the reason Eric Clapton left that band is because specifically of that song. Yeah. So I just found out from Adam, uh, blues initially made its way to Europe during World War II when oh. African American GIs brought their musical oh, tastes with okay. them. Okay. Okay. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. So the, another positive out come from world from hitler invading <laughs> europe right so that means so that means they're breaking I mean, how into, many how many positives came out of that thing they're breaking into auschwitz and it's just like the jews are all hungry like they're trying to eat and it's like can we do that so um yeah so that song so they were they were a blues band, which we're going to find out when we listen to this album is the second side is all blues covers. And so. All right. So all let's let's talk about the record. Let's talk about the talk, record. Do okay, we want to talk it. about the record or we talk about the history of the Yardbirds first? Well, let's I thought we kind of got the history a little bit. I don't do I need to go by so here. So here's what I've got. Uh, yeah. The Yardbirds were formed in a southwest suburb of London in 63 with core yeah. lineup of vocalist, harmonica player. Uh, fuck, I'm going to fuck this last name up. Keith uh, Reef, R-E-I-F. Did I say yep. that right? Yep. D- died in 1976. Yep. God, I love you. Yeah, I wish we do. I, we, uh, one day, I hope we do an episode on Pistol Pete Maravich, and then and then I <laughs> the, won't call you. <laughs> the great music of Pistol Pete. <laughs> <laughs> shooting free throw, <laughs> behind the basketball. <laughs> Drummer Jim McCarthy, rhythm yes. guitarist. Is it McCarthy or McCarty? You, I mean, what do I you don't think, think there's an H in there. I but I've heard him say McCarthy. So let's no, say I, yeah, I got it. I got it written as McCarthy. Yeah, uh, he's the he's the only one still in the band today. Yeah, they're still they're still doing it. I believe. Okay, he is the the, the one last. I mean, you know, dude, if you don't course. have Eric Clapton, Jimmy Page, and Jeff Beck, G F Y G F Y. All right, so Jim McCarthy or McCarty, rhythm guitarist, bassist, Chris uh, Dre. Dre oh, Jesus, these names, uh, Drega, or if it's Spanish, it's Dreya. And uh, bassist producer Paul Samuel Smith. Then lead guitar was held at various points by Top Topham <laughs> initially, and then three. Yes, this yes. is crazy. I mean, we mentioned it already, but three guitar not players, legends, legends. Right, Eric Clapton, Jimmy Page, and Jeff Beck. Right, not which, in that order. Which I have met. Jeff Beck through at the comedy store. What? Through my friend Tall Wilkenfeld, nice. uh, who, who who played bass. There's a very very famous. Uh, they're playing, I think, like a jazz festival somewhere, and Jeff Beck is is you know they're jamming and, and Tall's on bass, and then he gives her a bass solo, and she's I think like, you know, she was discovered by Prince at 16, so I think like she's probably in her early 20s. She looks so young, and she's just shredding. And you see Jeff Beck. Like, I know who she. I know who she is. I know she's she great. is. I've seen the footage of, the, of her. Yeah, great yeah. friend of the podcast. I love her to death. Has uh, she done records on it? Not yet. We 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 got some coming up because she's close with like Leonard Cohen, and we've talked about her doing Jeff Buckley. Oh, um, yeah. But those are in years. We got like at least another year, I think, until any of those come up. But but meeting Jeff Beck, it's like one of those things where it's like the dude had an aura. He's a tiny man. He's not like a big dude. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it was just he he just looked so much like a rock star i mean you, you they like i said like certain people have that glow and he had that glow um so the can name I just is a, a quick sidebar before no, just hit quick ju- jump in because i've only seen jeff back alive twice never met him and uh once a show at universal amphitheater i think that's how you pronounce it, right? There's I a, thought you had a stroke halfway through saying that. Oh my God, he struck <laughs> out. Um, with him, he toured with Stevie Ray Vaughan. It was a double bill, double wow. guitar sling. Yeah. So that I had to see, as you know, I'm a guitar dude. Yeah. And then just right before the pandemic, with uh, his old buddy Rod Stewart at the Hollywood Bowl, he came out and did a few of those. Wow. Songs, the old uh, Bacola songs that were just incredible. I couldn't imagine how good that was. It was pretty good. I, the thing is, Jeff Beck to me is a great mystery because he's this genius guitar player, and but he always seems to be like getting in trouble or effing up things. And like he did this with this band, he would not show up for gigs. He was like not reliable, all of that kind of stuff. And he, I don't know. I just and he had the look. There's no one who has the look better than him, right? So, so my question, and Adam, I yeah. want you to find this out. What kind of trouble did he get into? What do you know about Jeff Beck? Well, I know that when he was with the Yardbirds, he would miss gigs, and that he had he was more into this girl. That he was dated this super hot girl in California who was like a movie star, a young movie star, and he got constantly he got sick a lot on the tour, and eventually he was so unreliable he got kicked out of the band, like. Hmm. And yeah. And, and also, even though he brought Jimmy Page into the band, cause they played together for a short period of time, he, uh, he really wanted to be doing his own thing, which was fine. I mean, he ended up doing truth and Beckle and, you know, and then he was off to the races, but yeah. Um, yeah. So that always surprised me. Cause, and he hated, he hated touring. He just hated, I mean, the Yardboards tours are notorious for, that band getting ripped off by American promoters. Like they made no money. They were like in like Greyhound buses. They didn't even have their own bus. Mm-hmm. They traveled like you bought a ticket, put their, their stuff under the, and then went to the gig and it's just terrible. And uh, yeah. And it was just like, I just want to be in one place and create some music. So that's what I know about Jeff Beck and, and yes. seeing him twice. And now that I know that you met him, and he had an aura about him. That's, that's my new thing. <laughs> aura. I didn't know uh, he was a little guy, though. I mean, first of all, I'm 5'9", so everybody, you know, if he was on my height, he's like, I think he's, look up his height, Adam. Right. Find out how tall Jeff Beck is. <laughs> well, I think, well, I tell you, like I'm not yelling at him. This is what Adam uh, does. 5'10"? All right, maybe he's not a little guy. Maybe I'm a little guy. If anybody's height that's listed, you can usually take like an inch or two right off. Of oh, it. I love yeah. it. It's like a Kmart discount. Take a couple <laughs> inches off at the register. <laughs> Blue light special. Love it. So the name of the band is a reference to Jack Kerouac's On the Road, which mm-hmm. is which referred to rail yard hobos. After the Rolling Stones, like you said, left the residency at the Crawdaddy Club, yep. uh, the Yardbuds took over and got the ball rolling for them. Like other British R&B inspired bands, they played covers of artists like Muddy Waters, Bo yep. Diddley, and Howlin' Wolf. Uh, this is a tough name. I'm gonna fuck up. Giorgio Gomalski. 
Oh. Yeah, he's their manager, right? Yep, he, he took yeah. over as their manager. He was running the Crawdaddy Club, and their first record producer set them up for their first tour as a backup band for Chicago Blues great Sonny Boy Williamson. Oh, right, they went on tour with Sonny. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And their Supposedly, first- that was a nightmare that Sonny couldn't even, not read music, couldn't read. And so he, uh, <laughs> this is incredible, just show business. So they would like make a set list and he was like, he couldn't read the set list. <laughs> he was like, I just Can you know. imagine? I mean, they, he just. Talk, like, about, hey, talk about the what, blues. Talk what about the, the blues. What do they have to do to get him to know what song's next? They I go, have no idea. I would like. Again, and that, that we're doing that one. He's like, that sounds like every song we're doing. Again, and that. Fuck. That could be 19 different songs on this set list. Um, okay, go. Yes, they did tour with that guy. And that was a, and actually there's an album of it. That's not, that's not too bad, actually. Well, it was so released they, later. Yeah. So five live Yardbirds oh, was album. the first release yeah. in the UK in 64, but having a rave up was their first American release the next year. This nor any equivalent was released in the UK, but a few tracks were released as singles as a B side or on later compilations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the band broke up in 1968 with uh, Reef and McCarthy uh, forming Renaissance and Page starting Led Zeppelin yep. McCarthy and uh, Dre, Dreja uh, reformed in the 90s, but uh, Dreja left in 2012, leaving McCarthy as the only original active member. A major part of their legacy was how well-received their live shows were and maybe weren't a band that weren't fully appreciated until much later on. Yes, yeah. I didn't appreciate them until much later on. And I do feel like one of the problems with this band, and may rest in peace, was the lead singer because he was not a great singer. And he had kind of like a thin, reedy, and he was a little pitchy, as the kids like to say now. Yeah. And so he just wasn't a great, and he wasn't as charismatic as, let's say, you know, he's following in Mick Jagger's footsteps. Like, that's the band. The, mo- that, the most charismatic, charismatic lead singer dripping, in the history of... Right, dripping with charisma. And, and, and so anyway, so I think that was part of the problem with the... the this band was sort of star-crossed. That's why I'm saying it's a bridge band. It's a bridge from Chicago blues guys into uh, into London, and then out of there we get Cream, Led Zeppelin, and to a lesser extent Beck, uh, yeah. Jeff Beck, with yeah. Beck all and stuff like that. But it's like it's it's inc- it's just an amazing story. Five years together and. You know, and they fired that manager guy. They thought he was like taking not, you know, remember that tour of the U.S. like they were making no money and getting ripped off. And the last manager of the band, I know you're going to get to this. I'm just jumping to it, was uh, the manager of Led Zeppelin, Peter, whatever his name is. Um, I can't I'm blanking on his name right now. But anyway, North, the porn star, (laughs) Peter North. uh, Peter Grant, Peter Grant, I don't know. Peter Grant, yeah, How many yeah, times yeah. have I seen uh, the song remains the same? He's like the star of, he's the fifth star that I'm like, yelling at the dude. You ever seen that, that clip of him yelling? Oh yeah. At the guy who's selling t-shirts or it's, he just, he's just going nuts on this guy selling posters outside Madison Square Garden, or it might've been in Baltimore. You know, that movie is so cut from a lot of different shows and just going nuts on that poor guy. He was like a... He was scary, man. Yeah, he was well, don't a forget scary his, dude. 
Here it is. This isn't Europe or England. No, I can see that. that it's happen. so inefficient. Talk to me, because I'm, I'm, I'm the manager of the group. You had people inside this building selling posters, and you didn't know anything about it. I don't know about it. As soon as we found out about it, we stopped it. As soon as we found out about it, we told you, you stopped it. I can we all just admit that that Peter Grant looks like uh, Andy from Pee Wee's Play Big Adventure? Remember, remember the way when he goes to the diner and, and and he goes to look at the dinosaurs, and then she's like, "Oh no, it's Andy, Andy!" And then he runs and he gets chased. That's Andy, dude. Look how big that dude yeah, is, man. Yeah, he's huge, huge guy. So no wonder the band got never got in trouble for any of the bad shit they did because he was the person that was going up to the hotel. The enforcer, like, yeah, yeah. He was like, "Yeah, go fuck yourself." I don't care if they threw a TV out the window. Your window should be stronger. He's he is like the British Andre the Giant. Yeah, no, he's more like Earthquake. You remember Earth? Pull up Earthquake because he looks okay. like Earthquake. The, the comedian. And then pull up Andy. No, he looks like <laughs> the comedian Earthquake. He's like, yeah, dude. He's he's performing with Monique at the <laughs> at the <laughs> at the Lewis Gossett Jr. Amphitheater in Atlanta. <laughs> Uh, we're having a time. We're we having a rave up. It. Oh, we're having, like the yeah, wrestler. I see. I see. <laughs> He's having a rave up. <laughs> Look at that guy. Jesus Christ. I thought what maybe you would show a clip from the movie Earthquake with uh, <laughs> Walter Matthau. Okay. All right. So let's let's talk about let's talk about this record. Let's yeah, talk. So about this record is fan- really fascinating because it's uh, first the title having a rave up. Now the we. St- Kids still go or used to still go to raves. They don't yes, call them raves. I did. I, did. Is- I, I went to raves from 1998 until about 2005 uh, in the Washington, D.C., Baltimore area. I don't mm-hmm. think it's the it's this is the music. This is definitely not the music that they played there. No, 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 no. Um, but I'm talking about the word rave, like what it meant in musically. And is before we even get to the songs on there. Do you want so, me to tell you what it means? Because I have it. All right, let's see what let's see what it says. So the the name of the album refers to the rave up arrangement the band used in some of the songs. Raving yeah. up is when a band would increase the beat to double time, usually during a middle instrumental section to build the improv in the middle of a song to a climax. Uh, the concept has its roots in jazz. Yep. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or were nothing more than a one hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. 
On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. So they would rave up in the middle of these songs to get the, the crowds going again. I think the Yardbirds thing was that they were a live band. Although when I see footage of them live, they things seem a little loose to me. Hmm. Having said that, I'm saying the word rave up is still in the culture. You went to raves. I don't even yeah. know if they call them raves anymore. What do they call them now? EDM. EDM, EDM, EDM? shows. Yeah, okay. So, so anyway, so that's, so the first side of the album is all studio tracks. Yeah. The second side of the album, four, if I'm not mistaken, four live tracks that were from their first album that was never released in the United States, which was called Five Live Yardbirds. Remember, you just spoke about that. Mm -hmm. So they Mm -hmm. took supposedly the best four. So it's Jeff Beck on side one, Eric Clapton on side two. And How crazy I, is that? It's insane, but can I be completely honest with you? Yeah. Uh, second half of the record, it just blows away the first half. Oh, so you I like mean, the live. Okay. I love it so, so much. First of all, it's a great record. Let's just right. say that straight away. Uh, I mean, let's look at some of the tracks. Like, yeah. um, all right, so it opens with You're a Better Man Than I. Uh can you play a little bit of it? Because I, I got a comment on this. Just play, get to the chorus. If her wealth doesn't strive, well then, mister, you're a better man than I. Yeah, mister, you're a better man than I. Well, mister, you're a better man than I. This is the most 60 sounding song ever written, in my opinion. This is this is a step below Incense and Peppermints by Strawberry. Yeah, Long. yeah. Oh, great call. Yeah. Great song. Yeah. But- no question. Here's the thing about side one that we're going to get to with this track in particular, but only one song is written by anyone in the Yardbirds. Mm-hmm. That's on it- their, never mind the, 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 the cover songs they do on the other side. So uh, this one is written by Mike Hug from Manford Man. Here's the crazy thing about this song. Recorded while they were on tour in America in a little place called Sun Studios with Sam Phillips. You might remember him from Elvis Presley. I don't. I don't know who that is. You don't know Sam Phillips? No. I love it. Sam Phillips is the guy that discovered Elvis, the big bang moment of rock and roll when he does That's All Right Mama in the studio. You'd never seen any of those crazy TV it. movies? And now I haven't, but oh now I'm gonna. God. I'm sorry. I don't mean to shame you. I did not mean to shame you, but <laughs> I, know, I, I literally little, thought everyone knew this guy. I felt this a little is triggered. A, this is just a, a problem with my age, to tell you the truth. So, <laughs> so anyways, you know that Elvis Presley in Memphis, you know, uh, at this little studio, Sun Studios recorded these songs that sort of started not completely, but a lot of people think of like that's the moment, like kind of rock and roll really moved from R&B to like something, oh, that uh, more mainstream, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Elvis, Elvis Presley. That's all right, mama. You know, all so anyway, Sam Phillips was the guy that ran the studio. So this is like a legendary studio where bands from England or all over the world would come and try to 
recapture that magic of that yeah. studio. So on tour, they they recorded this song. They recorded another one that's also on, but we'll get to that later. I thought that was fascinating. Maybe not. Maybe not. No, well, it's very fascinating. Very fascinating. But you know okay. what's also fascinating? Evil Hearted You. Oh, or, yes. Originally written by future 10CC member Grant yes. Goldman. He's the, am- best. He Jewish, the best. Jewish. 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 I mean, I, you don't even have to say that. His last name's Goldman. I mean, <laughs> we all know Steinberg. it. <laughs> yeah, reduced it from Goldman Steinberg. I know. <laughs> Dude, Yitzhak Rabin is turning in his grave right now that you actually said that. He was like, I'm what? sorry. Sorry. Uh, a music critic referred to it as one of the gloomiest hit singles in all of 60s British rock. I actually think this sounds like every 60s spy movie. Uh, play a little oh, bit of Evil Hearted You. Evil Hearted You. <laughs> you always the spy shit though yeah, it's there's very a, lot of, a lot of reverb on those guitars <laughs> a lot of reverb great song and then you got i'm a man uh this is originally a bo diddley okay, song okay this is where i'm gonna disagree with you i like this version better than the live version on the same album by the way on side two they also do i'm a man um, so you like the i'm a man eric clapton more than the jeff beck yeah i think i do yeah, can I really you do. go to this is going to be again this is another weird thing recorded at chess studios in chicago that's where muddy water started anyway it doesn't matter can we go to the bridge of i'm a man because a lot of people th- call this version where jeff beck and keith the lead singer slash harmonica player kind of does a jam in the middle of this song as an example of rave up in the middle of a pop song incredible that is incredible you got to hear that whole song i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna stand by that's a better version of it than the clapton version but i might be wrong all right well you know listen when you when you break it down like that and i see your enthusiasm behind it you kind of sway me but here's something really cool bo diddley praised this cover calling it beautiful oh it's Um, incredible which is great yeah that's that's really cool to have the guy that wrote the song you know fucking be like dude you guys killed it um, still, I'm sad. Uh, love this song. Very you Western. do. This is the song I don't like. I love that you love it because you well, like just, weird. Yeah, I love the Oz. Can you play the Oz? <laughs> it's all through it. Oh. 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 There it is, dude. Oh. You want to hear something really Jewish? This was probably written by Goldman. This it is like very. Dude. This is very Pesachy, you know what I mean? Like, oh. Remember I said that only one song was written by anyone in the Yardbirds? Yeah. This is the song. 
fuck that, dude. This, this is the this song. Is Jim no McCarthy wonder. or McCarthy or whatever the name is, the drummer we and the bass you, player. Paul Samuel Smith wrote this song. You love it. It's I so like Gregorian it. to me. It's, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's why I like it. You know how much I love Gregorian shit. I always have. We talk about it all the time. We go out to eat and you say, Josh, why are you so into Gregorian music? And I go, because my grandfather was a monk. My great grandfather was a monk. My favorite movie is In the Name of the Rose. You like the TV show Monk? I love the TV show Monk. (laughs) Yeah. It was either between comedy or (laughs) monking. And I said, I'm going to do comedy because I got to stop the bloodline of monking. Well, this Um, is my question for you. Yeah. I know the Gregorians. I know they're monks. I know they're known for chanting. Is there any other music that Gregorians did? Because I always feel you hear like there's Gregorian chants. Is there ever Gregorian, I don't know, Gregorian power chords or Gregorian counter melodies? Adam, get ready to pull this shit up. Pull up Enigma. They they had a they had a dude, the Gregorian (laughs) genre. Come the on. Gregorian genre had like a flash in like the late 80s, early 90s, I think, when that came out, Enigma. It's it's all Gregorian chanting fuck music. What? So, so they got into they got into like the Marvin Gaye territory of making love. Sounds so you got it, Adam. You got it, Enigma. Okay. Pull it up. This I'm dubious. <laughs> Dubious that people are Here making out. Oh, I see. I mean, come on, dude. This is it. This is it. Here, oh, this is where it gets good. Okay, that music. That music is like, that's the music that like triggers the Antichrist return. Like that was so inappropriate. (laughs) Very Roman Polanski, like Rosemary's Baby. The thing, that's like the beginning of the exorcist. I was like, come on, that's that's wrong to put like those beats, to put a roll in 908 underneath. 808, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Underneath. Come on, guys. Still a good song. Still a good use still of the Gregorians. But, but still, you're missing it. my point. You're missing no. my point. What, They're the still point? chanting in that song. It's still about the chant. Yeah. They just put a, uh, a kind of a hip-hoppy beat underneath it. It yeah. kind of reminds me a little of what uh, Ethel Merman did with her disco album. We'll move on. <laughs> you don't know anything about that. I don't know anything about that. that. I know. Someone's going to enjoy that. <laughs> Is that, it's, just, it's just like a techno beat to luck be a lady tonight. Luck be, luck be a lady tonight. Yeah, it was a four on the floor. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, a four on the floor. Rave up. Um, so then, then you have Heart Full of Soul. This is yes, the first who wrote thing. Heart Full of Soul? Uh, Goldman. Yes, our Jewish friend. Yep. By the way, just to loop back to our Jewish buddy, um, Goldman also wrote For Your Love. The song that Alexa 
likes to play whenever you mention the band. <laughs> she can't hear you. You can just you can say oh, she it. Can't. She, okay. Not at all. She, she's, she's always listening. She's always she, listening. Dude, Jeff Bezos. By, by the way, she just texted me. She just texted. That's crazy. <laughs> she is really okay. <laughs> that's, that's who I was texting with. Um, but but listen, heart I love Heartful of Soul. I like. I guess I'm a Grand Goldman fan. Like I'm just a fan of that guy. Here's something really cool uh, that we pulled up. Uh, So they tried to use an Indian sitar player for the intro, but didn't like how it sounded. So Jeff Beck tried to play the part of on an electric guitar, making it sound as close to a sitar as possible. Um, Here, can you play that? Um, this is something even cooler. The use of the fuzz box guitar effect in this song is also believed to be the first significant use of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is why I'm saying they're a bridge to like all of that stuff. Psychedelica? Psychedelica? Is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I feel like that's it. Obviously, this is right before the Beatles used sitar on, I I don't know, was it Norwegian Wood or one of yep. those songs? Yep. From the, yeah, so. Yeah, I I just love these songs. I love so, these Graham Goldman songs. So these are all great. These this this the first half. Yeah, of the no, this great. is a this is why I like this album. But yeah. then, then when, it gets they then it, it kicks in, and you oh got a train God. keeps a rolling. And, right. and as I was talking to Adam before you clicked on, I mean, this has been covered by how many people? Adam, uh, I mean, Aerosmith has the most famous one. Yes, Aerosmith used to, and I've seen Aerosmith maybe eight times. Through the years, seen him a number of times. A little bit of a brag, nobody knows this, but I'm also in the crowd when they shot the video for Love in an Elevator. Like, I'm an Aerosmith fan. <laughs> going down. Going <laughs> down. Yeah, so anyway, but during the taping of that song which is just they're just basically miming to the track as they play it over and over again right um during a production break they stopped and the band was like let's just play a song and then they played train kept the rolling wow while we were yeah just as like you know because they're it's aerosmith i i I, you know me i'm a huge fan especially of that front man um what's his name pilot I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So anyway, so yes, Train Kept a Rolling is a perfect example of a rave up, especially the way Aerosmith did it. Yeah. They do it slow and then did it. I don't know if it's quite double time, but a faster stuff. Yeah. Do you, I don't know. What's your feeling about Aerosmith? And- you talking to me? Or yeah. you talking to Adam? I love them. I mean, I, I, it's, it's one of those bands that's like, I've, as I've started really, cause I, they were popular, uh, their biggest popular during my lifetime is the later half of their life. So yes. permanent vacation, kick, uh, get, uh, you know, get the life or whatever the one with, um, get a life. Yeah. Get, yeah. Get a life. Permanent um, vacation. Yes. Yes. That was great. I love angel. I love, um, uh, I don't want to miss a thing. You don't want to, um, I'm my favorite song by them is really, uh, living on the edge. Yeah. This is when it's interesting. This is like the opposite. They're sort of the opposite in that they wrote a lot of their songs. Obviously, they wrote Dream On, which was their first big hit. They did cover Train Kept a Roll in this Yardbirds version. But 
later during your version, they hired songwriters, Jennifer Warren and Desmond Child wrote a lot of those. I call them, I don't know. They're sort of like for girls as well as guys, those songs, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Where's, uh, you're right. No, you're, they're a great band. Uh, you know, I'm excited to really dig into like, like I was with Burr one night and, yeah. uh, I was like, he was talking about Aerosmith. I was like, dude, I never listened to Toys <laughs> in the Attic. And so he just, he picked out all his favorite, uh, Aerosmith mm-hmm. songs that weren't like, bef- they were all like before, like, 1980 or, or something and right right i mean it was just it was just everything i was like good god like i love yeah. the guns and roses version of mama kin of course of course Dude, yeah that's from early that's from rocks right or something such yeah. a such a good version speaking of which i just went to go see guns and roses uh, i think i talked about it in the intro for the episode that just came out but um i'm in dude axel rose's voice is just great it's, it's as good as ever right I'm kidding. Was it bad? Tell me what dude, the band killed it. And Axel, I think he's singing like, so during the sound check, um, (laughs) what do you mean? The the sound guy comes out there for the sound check. Oh yeah. I got, I dude. I was like front row too. my friend. I'm a buddy with Duff's manager and I, and I love Brian to death. The band rules. Go see him. If you've never seen, they still sound great. Oh, I saw them open for this. There were certain points of the, of the set though. It's cause here's what they were doing. They, they, the sound guy comes out, and he's going like, check one, check two. And then he goes like this. He goes, I'm barely talking. I'm barely talking. And he's, he's holding the, the Axel mic and it sounds so loud. He's like, I'm barely talking. So I think Axel isn't singing from his chest voice or even his throat voice. He's singing from his head voice. So he's singing like, he's like, you know, Welcome to the jungle. We got fun and games. So he's, so he's singing almost like in a squeak. So he doesn't really project, but it's so loud that it, it just matches. He did hit some crazy notes, okay. um, but it's just, dude, and this is the thing in his defense, those songs are so hard to sing, Wayne, like so hard to sing. I mean, even, you know, back in the day to be able to hit those notes and sing in that register. So to do it now at like close to 60 and you're doing a tour schedule of like every other day, you're doing a fucking stadium and you're doing mm-hmm. a, you know, a 30 song set list, uh, power to him. I'm not, no, no shade, uh, but, but I saw them two other times prior to this since they got back together. And I mean, his voice sounded incredible. Maybe it was okay. an off night. Maybe it was just an off night. You right, know what right, I mean? Right. Maybe he was nervous. You were in the crowd in the front you row. I was there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I can you know, I was there. That. Yeah. Um, but I hear back to this record though. God's honest truth. Uh, in my opinion, I mean, the second half of this record, I mean, you know, cause first of all, smokestack lightning. Um, okay. Alan Wolf. Yeah. It's just a great song. Um, this is also, like you said, the last four tracks, they're all Clapton. He all done at the marquee club. Have you ever been to there? Ever I haven't. Been? Yeah. That's the famous kind of a London club. It's sort of, I would say the equivalent. I hope I don't get killed on Reddit for this or Twitter. I would say it's the equivalent of like the whiskey or the troubadour or something like that. It's like the club where a lot of people recorded at, and or especially those rock bands at that time, like it's still around, um, but it's at the Marquee Club, not a Crawdaddy, not a Crawdaddy. This not was, a Crawdaddy. Yeah, a, a bigger venue in London. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is Howlin' Wolf's most popular song. It's released in 56. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, Respectable is great. Originally written by the Isley Brothers. I'm a yeah. man. That's here's the here's the big battle. Here's that, the Fetterman battle right the now. Fetterman Myers battle. <laughs> 
which version is better. <laughs> it's just the Jewish throwdown. Let's do it. <laughs> I I gotta go with the live version, dude. I know. I'm gonna. I, let's listen to a little of that. Let's listen Put on to the a live little. version. I'm a man. Yeah, you got me, man. You take my money. Take my money. Take my money. It's perfect. You can hear the energy in the room. You can yeah, no, it's feel great. the vibe, it's... the band vibing. It's everything. That All ever... I can say in my defense is the guy who wrote the song named Bo Diddley, not his real name, Elias McDaniels, his real name, uh, thinks uh, the Beck version is better. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. It's only the guy who wrote the song. No, no, I'm not saying you're wrong and I'm right. I'm just saying that's who's on this side of the argument. Okay. Listen, <laughs> we agree to disagree. Elias. Okay. Okay. Bring it up with Bo. <laughs> Bring it up. With Bo. Hey, Bo. <laughs> Get in here, Bo. Oh, I doing the improv now. Oh, Bo's I didn't know he's, he lived next to you. What, what's yeah, going he's, on? He's in apartment 5C. Five, five oh, okay. Um, no, I listen. It, it's both sides of the I'm record. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I'm I know, kidding. of course you are. But both sides of the record are are equal in their part. But how I many love- albums in the history of music have two versions of the same song, a live and a studio version, on the same I album? You, I can tell you one. Go the ahead, Sir Mix a Lot greatest hits is just <laughs> nine versions of Baby Got Back and one live version. Okay. All right. I bought it from a gas station in uh, in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. From a gas station, not an attendant, an actual nah. gas station. <laughs> it was a human gas station. <laughs> so it was just a whole gas station sells the albums. It was a transformer, a very lazy transformer. Just There's the album. Here, take this. We've got a lot of copies of it. Did you put in cash or swipe a card? What did you do? He took Bitcoin. Very good, very good, very good. That gas station sold a lot of records. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning so welcome aboard all in all this is, i think this is a phenomenal record let's look at what some of the music journalists of yesteryear have said yes. um several retrospective reviews have been favorable mm-hmm. um who do we have here reviewing guitar player magazine can I just say before we get to these reviews that in a way the Yardbirds suffered from not having like they did have hits in England and some of these songs, you know, for your love and stuff were hits and happenings 10 years ago, but they weren't like the Beatles. They weren't like the Stones. They weren't like the animals with House of Horizon. You know what I mean? They never really like broke through on a huge level. So they were always kind of a cult band yeah even at, even at their peak i i believe so 
But go ahead. And I feel like like in retrospect, they're now more appreciated, right? Yeah. So I've got two that I'm going to drop. I like this one. This is from a Clapton biographer, David Bowling from Guitar Player Magazine. He he said, today, and this is in 1999, the Yardbirds' second American album sounds something like the ultimate garage band meets an end-of-the-world guitarist. For a while in 65, though, having a rave up with the Yardbirds contained rock's freshest, most vital guitar playing. Yeah. Uh, and then Rolling Stone magazine, uh, which ranked this uh, 355 on the list, uh, they, they noted freed from Eric Clapton's blues purism and spurred by Jeff Beck's reckless exhibitionism. Yeah. The Yardbirds launched a noisy rock and roll avant-garde. This is the bridge between beat groups and psychedelia. This is the me and Rolling Stone. We have this Wayne Federman Rolling Stone has the, has the same. They're a bridge band. They're definitely a bridge band. No question. And so this this uh, debuted at number 137 on the Billboard 200 and reached as high as 53 in February 66 and spent 33 weeks in total on the chart. OK, so that's a, so people listen to it. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know if it was more like later when like when Clapton hit with cream or with you know john mayall and all of that stuff but yeah um what other reviews keep reading, keep well, reading. i just want you to I read got. i just want you to read uh, well i've got some here i got some i got some facts from the record you want to yes, hear yes yes right. so first of all we got to say this this album did not make the cut for the 2020 rolling stone top 500 album list it did not oh um, so this has been removed this has been removed from oh, the newer wow. list Uh, So after Clapton left the band, the initial recommendation to replace him was Jimmy Page. But Page was happy with his session work at the time and referred his buddy Jeff Beck. It was only two days between Clapton's departure and Beck playing his first notes with the band. Yep. Right after four year. I don't know if I I can't imagine that Clapton ever played Four year love live. But keep going. Keep going. Well, I don't know if I said this already, but Eric oh, Clapton. I about, go ahead. Uh, keep going. Eric Clapton biographer David Bowling calls the album early and important rock and roll. It remains an important step in the evolution of rock music. It's a step. It's a bridge. It's an evolutionary. But it's incredible. This, if you're interested, if you look, you can just listen to Aerosmith and you can just listen to Led Zeppelin one and two and you don't have to listen to this. But if you're kind of curious the roots of this all it's really fun to dive into this band no i I completely agree and then here's the coolest shit towards the end of the 60s the yardbirds broke up while in the middle of a tour page he's playing with them and wanted to keep the band going and eventually put together a band called the new yardbirds consisting of vocalist robert plant bassist john paul jones and drummer john (laughs) bonzo bonham they would eventually change their name uh taken from a quote by the who drummer Keith Moon, Moon had said previously in uh, that their band would go over like a Led Zeppelin and the name Led Zeppelin stuck. So listen, man, the Yardbirds, you don't get Led Zeppelin. They, you don't have the Led Zeppelin was at one point the new Yardbirds. Yeah. With Peter Grant as their manager. Which, and it's funny because. Like wreaking havoc across the. Because I don't know if you remember in the 80s, there was the, in the 70s, there, there was the monkeys. Yeah. And then in the in the 80s, they had the new monkeys right. and the new monkeys went on to become who? Corn. Corn? Corn. No. 
no, no, of course not. No, of course. That's a good joke. Though. All right. Uh, let's let's do some quickies and we'll get you out yes. of here. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This All was right. fun, by the way. This is fun. This was great. Uh, favorite song on the record. Oh, all right. I'm I'm looking at the well. It's, mm, I have to say, I, it's got to be Train. It's got to be Train kept. It's got to be the cover of Train kept to rolling is my favorite track on the record. Just Look who's come around and now accepted the live part. No, mm. you're you're making a mistake. We're okay. talking about. I'm not talking about. I'm a man. I'm talking about Train kept to rolling. All right, least favorite song on the record. Oh. Well, that, that's easy. That couldn't. I tell you, my two least favorite. My least favorite is I hate to say it, the Gregorian chant one. I don't like <sighs> heartbreaking. St- still, I'm sad. I know you love it. I don't. I just. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a great song to raise spirits from the dead. It's great. <laughs> it's a great song if I want to uh, take out the Ouija board and uh, bring evil into the 21st century. Great song. Yeah. Thanks, guys. My second least favorite is the last song on the al- album. The I don't know. I don't like here tis. I don't. I I know that's. Play a little we bit never... of Here Tis. Play a little bit of Here Tis, Ad. Number cool Here Tis! You love it. Now, it actually sounded better when I heard it. So forget the last one. I'm just going to stick with Gregorian because you hate yeah, monks. Yeah, the um, I hate the monks. You hate the monks. Say, right. oh, yeah, go ahead. All right. This is an interesting one. What are your, can I ask what yours are? Can we go back and forth or no? Is it all just about Wayne? Favorite song on the record when I did my big listen, Smokestack Lightning. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I love it. Incredible. Love. I love it. I love it. I love it. But you can take any track from the second half of the record. Even, you like uh, the Clapton over the back, even uh, though you've met I really back. do. Dude, he's slow hand, dude. I know. Uh, by the way, during this time, he got his name slow hand. This is it? Yeah. During this time. You want to know what it means? Um, He has his bell's palsy in his hand. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize for everyone who's suffering from a viral disease called Bell's palsy. It comes, it goes. No, uh, he would, because he used super light strings, you know, because he liked to bend those, you know, up uh, one and a half notes and all of that. Uh, he would often break strings, especially during a rave up. He would break strings. And then he would change the strings on stage. And during that time, the the English audience in a sarcastic English way would do group. <laughs> My slow hand. And that's how he got the name. Just like, you know what I mean? Just like us. Come on, man. Change the strings. Change the fucking strings. String, Eric. Eric. That reminds me. That reminds me. We did a, we did a, a goddamn comedy jam at, uh, in, in Brooklyn. Uh, and Burr was like a surprise guest drop in. And yeah. we did two songs with him. We did uh, Kickstart My Heart, mm-hmm. uh, which Joe DeRosa sang with Burr on drums. And we were going to do a Pantera song. And Joel, my guitarist, broke a string during um, during uh, the first song, Kickstart My Heart. Mm-hmm. And 
we basically like he needed to change a string and he's like, you got to kill time. Now it's, there's 500 people in the audience that are like insanely sweaty and the room is so hot. So Joel could not get the string. It took him like 15 minutes. We had to like kill time. And so like Burr had to come from out behind the drum set and start doing like crowd work. And he was just so mad about it. Cause it was like, it killed all the momentum. I've never seen more fear on Joel's face than trying to change a string. And it, I mean, just, we were dripping sweat. It was probably 140 degrees inside the venue. Just no air, all humidity. Um, and it w- and five strings is just not enough. No, no, he needs, what he needs to do is he needs to have an extra guitar just ready to go, just in You're case. Go. That's, yeah, you, yeah. you have to, you can't, you, it's, and that's the in problem. In a weird You're, way, you're talking to Eric Clapton through him, right? Yeah, 100%. Eric, you get another guitar. <laughs> just have dude, another guitar you, with you. Got, you got extra guitar, buddy. Audience. Just, dude, just from the residuals <laughs> this week from Tears from Heaven. <laughs> oh, my God. Is it Tears from Heaven or Tears in Heaven? Tears from Heaven might be the Bruce Willis movie about uh, yeah. Vietnam. All right. Here's a question. Here's a one. I'm, I'm curious. To get I'm going to bounce it back to you after I answer it. So be okay. ready. What song on this record yeah. would you fuck to? <laughs> this is, do you know me? Do you know I don't? All right. Let me look. <laughs> let me look. This is not the kind of thing. Because I don't really, I'm not like a, feel like have sex to music kind of guy. Really? What do you just let CNN play in the background? <laughs> It's actually C-SPAN. C-SPAN. <laughs> it's actually C-SPAN. Yeah, mainly. Yeah, yeah. Just the floor. Just the house floor. I just the house. Just something about voting gets yeah, my dick hard. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Parliamentary rules. I fucking can't get any more excited. All right. This is not. This is not my thing. Like I actually think none of these. Um, like they're all too. They're just too catchy and up. Like these aren't to me. You know what would be the perfect one? You know what would be the chanting one? The chanting one. Chanting one might be the. You just come out wearing like a shroud and you have like a string and you pull the string and you're just, it falls off your shoulder. Oh my God, you're so funny. God damn it. Uh, Yes. Yeah. uh, yeah. Final answer. Final answer. It might have to be the Gregorian chant. It oh. might have to be. All right, and I feel like you already answered this, but I'm going to ask it again. Um, Wait, what about you? What about you? We already uh, answered it. Oh, you're both of us. I'm, okay. I'm Gregorian. Okay. <laughs> Could you imagine maybe like the two of us getting prostitutes, putting that song <laughs> on next to each other, like looking over, like, wow, how great is life? <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the tops, man. This, this is, is incredible. Oh, 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 oh. This girl, this is incredible. <laughs> She's just it's Russian girls like that. Right, right, right. <laughs> They're completely confused. Like this is incredible. And then she looks up and she goes, "Great song." Who is that? We're not the Arpers. The only song they wrote on the album. <laughs> By the way, that's the way I deal with prostitutes. I love just talking to them, charming them much more. Like that's connecting with them. That's hilarious. Yeah, uh, you got to woo them. You got to woo them. Um, and then I feel like you answered this already. Why yes, is this sir. album important uh, for the next generation to hear? I don't know if it is. I don't know if this album is important for the next generation because there's so much music and, it, and the story of music. And this is something I'm very passionate about, as you know. 
the story music it just moves it just flips over so quickly like there's like even people like kids listening to music in two, two, 2021 is what what I call this year they uh like it, they just have a whole different reference to even what music is and so I don't know I don't know I uh for those who are interested in like the blues based have hard metal hard rock bands of the 60s and 70s you know and then the, the influence guns and roses that maybe like the bands that people listen to are were like five generations away from that i know i'm absolutely babbling about this but i don't know i i mean for me i just think it's as a, any musical historian would have to at least look at a band that that had these three guitarists in it and had those songs. Yeah, I, I agree. Do you think it deserves to be on the 500 greatest albums list? Oh man, I, I'm shocked it dropped. That means it dropped three, 140 some points, 145 points, right? 145 albums got better than this album. This is the thing. It's like I, what other yard? This would be my question because I'm into these lists. What other Yardbirds albums? are on the li- the new list and then i would be like oh okay i can understand that because maybe they just want one yard birds album they're just like that's enough you know i mean this new list man it's not it, it's all dude sergeant pepper which was number one dropped to number 25 wow which is crazy and then like some and it was it was I'm definitely well but also they what they did was they kind of like the because yeah. listen the old list was made by like old white guys and yeah, like musicians yeah. and so so what they did for the new list was bringing a lot of younger people a lot mm-hmm. of like you know different different ethnic groups and backgrounds right. so it is like you know who they didn't bring in any who? any gregorians nope. they didn't bother with this one been been come in. top 20 <laughs> They all would have been like, you got to put it on there. <laughs> you got to. I'm going to rave up. It's all we got. No, I, I, in a way, I do understand that, that it was just like, okay, this was like, these are all white bands. And this is another all white band from the whitest place on, on earth. And maybe that's just kind of like, we're in this reckoning now. We're like, uh, can I just say, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Do you know who Adam Neely is by any chance? I don't. He's a uh, bass player who teaches music theory on YouTube. Okay. And he's really, because they're going through the same thing in classical music. In fact, there's, they have started, there's a movement to rebrand classical music, not call it classical anymore, and call it music, music made popular by 18th century European composers. 18th to 19th century European composers. I don't know. What's the, is there, they're is basically, there, they're saying, by saying classical, you're sort of like, oh, whatever was going on in India, whatever was going on in Africa, whatever was going on anywhere outside of white Europe is not oh, classical. Does okay. that make, is that, no, I, I, I hope mean, I'm saying I, that right. Yeah. No, it makes sense. I don't know if I agree with it, but it's like, <laughs> No, dude. but it's. Yeah, but I can I understand the thought process. It was just like, yeah, maybe you don't like that weird Indian music that sounds not great to your ears, but that doesn't mean it's worse. Is that worse than Chopin? I, wanna, I don't know. I want to pull up this audition that yeah. I just got. Um, yeah, let me hear. Hold on, because it was here. It is. This is this is what they wrote um, for the role description. So the role is Oscar character portrayed as male presenting. 
30 to 40s, any ethnicity. Character portrayed as male presenting. Yep. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome. Oh, shit. The Yardbirds are completely absent from the 2020 list. Okay, well, that's crazy. Then I could understand they're just like, we need one Yardbirds album instead of three or whatever it was. I, that I could understand. I actually think this is the, the best Yardbirds album because you get Clapton and Beck on it. And the Jimmy Page stuff, you can just listen to Led Zeppelin. You don't have to listen to yeah. Happenings 10 years ago and stuff like that. But, but dude, uh, we have we have another Yardbirds record in like, I know. Right, in like two weeks. Is it the engineer one? Let me find it because oh, I've got. <laughs> if you looked at what my timeline is, I've got like no, area rugs, area rugs. I've got coffee tables. I've got. Uh, I got to find a winter coat. For Those New are York. three of the best bands, by the way. Area rugs was. I listened to them all the time. <laughs> what about men's puffer jackets and coats? <laughs> oh, really? That's, that was their first record. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of songs you like to fuck to. <laughs> Men's to, puffer. Sorry, it's my, oh, dude, I love ultra lightweight and versatile. That's good. <laughs> um, These are great band names, by the way. Great band names: Men's Parka, <laughs> Nike Duck Boots, <laughs> Relaxed Fit Washed, and then the Yardbirds Artifacts. And then, and then, and then, my favorite album is Post Attendee Hyphen Zoom. That's the best. What did you find out, Adam? So they come in at 350 with just the self-titled album Yardbirds, which is also known as Roger the Engineer. Yeah, Roger the Engineer. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that ha- that has shapes. I think I think, we, I think we have Jerry Cantrell for that one from Alice in Chains. What? I think we do. Okay, Don't who quote the, me. Can I just ask who is the biggest guest you've had so far besides me? Besides me. Um it, well you're first. Yeah, of course. Second Second was Bowser from Shanana. Oh, he played Woodstock. He played Woodstock. We didn't have Bowser. Um, I'd oh. say, you know what? I, I'd say the biggest, if we're the probably the 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 strangest booking was, um, I would say Neil deGrasse Tyson. Oh yeah, he did Sam Cook uh, live at the Harlem Club. I mean, mm-hmm. but then I've had I've had your buddy Judd. Um, I've had. You know, Wanda, I've had Burr a couple of times, That's Jim, awesome. you know, I've had, I've had everybody. This is, I mean, let me look at the, cause we, oh, I mean the coolest one. The I thought coolest, there might be some weird musician that, you know, Oh, I did. That, no, no, no. I I've had, like you're dude, in those circles that dude, I'm not I, really in. Well, I've had, I've had Jerry Harrison from the talking heads talking mm-hmm. about talking heads. Uh, okay. And it was the week after modern lovers. So it was a dual episode. I've had Mike Watt from uh, the Minutemen, and he was like literally the week after Minutemen, which was so great. Um, I mean, we've had, dude. Interesting. That's cool. I mean, we've had, you know, everybody. We've had everybody. This is what's cool about this podcast, man, is that, you know, we're not talking about your basic shit anymore. We're talking about, you know, so it's not like a guest will come on and it's like, we're going to, we're going to talk. We might ask you questions about your career and stuff, but for the most part, we're just, we're just talking about the record and finding out some cool things. So, you know, it's a really um, fun record guys. It's really, I, and I love the name of it. Intriguing, Having a rave up. That's what they're doing. We're going to jam. We're going to jam it out. It's basically what it is. Right. Yeah. We're going to jam it out. And we, and you know what? And that's what you do for a living. I jam. I do. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Speaking I mean, of which, what, we're about to announce a we're about to announce a goddamn comedy jam in LA and in New York. I'm doing dual comedy jams. I love it. So that I means you it. have to be there because you're our good luck charm. 
100 uh, you're there when you're 100%. there august 20 august 23rd oh yeah i'm around i'll text you where it is well no yeah. this will probably it'll probably be announced by then it's august 23rd at the comedy store in the main room oh wow there we go yeah we're we're moving it to they it's just you know especially with me living here it's just gonna be right it just keeps my keeps my foot in the door no there i see and, i see you getting sped, sets at the comedy cellar i'm oof, i'm tracking I'm, your career I'm i tracking. love it here you do love i don't i can't believe it took me this long to move here it really did. I just, I feel like an artist. I feel like a real yeah, artist yeah, and yeah. I feel like oh, I'm no, growing, no. I'm growing at a rate on stage. That is that would the, the amount of growth I've made in two months here, I would take me two years in Los yeah, Angeles. Of course, of course. So from that, and then you're also, you're with some of the best joke writers in the world. And that makes you see them and you go, Oh, I need to step my game up because there's, there's people at open mics that are better than most comics at the Hollywood yeah, improv yeah, tonight. Yeah. And it's like, there you go. That's, uh, but this was great, dude. Uh, Wayne, I love you to death. Thank you for coming on, buddy. Anything you want to promote? Uh, go ahead, bud. No, no, no. I'm, I mean, I have a book out called The History of Stand Up from Mark Twain to Dave Chappelle that just came out, but that's basically it. And um, so that's, you can get that on Amazon if you're interested in the history of stand up through the whole thing early lectures, vaudeville, nightclubs, comedy clubs, internet, the whole, the whole story. Get it, everybody. Seriously, get the book. If you're Wait. interested in stand-up, you might like it. But also you wrote a book about Pistol Pete Maravich. Yeah, that's my second book. This is my second book. Yeah, so get both of them. From the Amazon, <laughs> get it from Amazon, or if you if you really feel so inclined, you know what? Go to local. a bookstore. Yeah, go to a go local bookstore. Local bookstore, not Jeff Bezos, even though yeah. it's it, Amazon's just the easiest thing in the world. Man. <laughs> he really is killing it, dude. He's doing a great job. No wonder he's, he's worth a quadrillion dollars. Worth a lot of money. I just ordered yeah. 60 hangers and they'll be here. They're probably here now. Right, I, ordered exactly. them, I ordered them in the middle of the You're podcast. You're about to order them. You're about to order them. They're here. <laughs> I literally, when I was looking at my phone, I ordered 60 hangers and the guy, that was my lack of bark. Because okay, the, the I, know guy, I, liked, I know I love to deep dive. And again, thank you so much for having me on. You know I love you. I love um, you. Are the hangers the kind with the like the little <laughs> outside part that's like the, there's like a little bit of cloth on it all the way yep. around? Yep. What are those called? Do you know what I'm called? Adam, yeah. what are those called? I'm looking it up now. Hangers. Oh, okay. I might have them right here. Cause I, I, cause but I it's just not, work. it's not like just a metal hanger and it's not the plastic kind. It's like, there's sort of like fabric this. airplane hangers is what comes up. Fabric. Right, is that okay. what it is? There's like a little bit of fabric, like around. They're so fun. Trellis print padded hanger. No, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm yelling at you. Suddenly I'm anyway. All right. Are we done? Are we done? We're done. What did I tell you? What did I tell you? The one and only Wayne Fetterman. Follow him on Twitter at Fetterman. Follow him on Instagram at InstaFetterman. Go to his website, WayneFetterman.com for all things Wayne. Wayne is also co-producing a Judd Apatow-directed George Carlin documentary that will be on HBO. Just keep your eyes out for that and get his new book, The History of Stand-Up from Mark Twain to Dave Chappelle, where he is going to go into a deep, deep dive, just like he did for the Yardbirdies. All right, new music this week. Yardbirds 1965, our new music pick is Irish blues rockers Grania Duffy. She actually performed at the Glastonbury Music Festival in the same lineup as the Yardbirds in 2008, and since then, she's written for the BBC, Sky TV, and perfumed on and perfumed on blues festivals across Europe. And you're listening to the song, Roll It, 
off our 2020 album, Voodoo Blues. And you can find links to the music on our website, the500podcast.com. If you want your music featured on The 500, send us your song. 500podcast at gmail.com. Send us a song. Put the album in ours and influence you in the subject line. Guess what, y'all? Ooh, I'm moving out. Billy Joe Week is right next one And you're gonna have some fun Cause it's Billy Joe Week Yeah, don't be a freak It's Billy Joe Week It's Billy Joe Week Next one we are doing is this 1978 album 52nd Street Get on it, listen to it Do your homework, stay fleecy Doobadoo us talking about our podcast for a minute what's the name of that podcast that's axe to grind uh and right now you're going to be getting a little a little taste of it right down to the shaky microphone and all <laughs> and my name's bob and my name's patrick and usually we're joined by tom tom's the best tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work but we talk about decidedly not so grown-up things like Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life. Uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind Podcast. Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Next Chapter Podcasts.